Many of us come today needing a reminder that you are with us. Lord, grant us comfort. Many of us come to you with anxiety about what lies next. Lord, grant us peace. Many of us come to you unsure if we are up to the task you have set before us. Lord, grant us strength. And many of us come to you with hearts hungry to do your will. Lord, give us guidance. We thank you that you have blessed us richly with gifts and abilities that have allowed us to reach this point in our academic endeavor. May we ever be mindful of the incredible privilege we have been granted to live and learn in a community such as this that seeks to bring you glory with all of our collective heart, soul, mind, and strength. We ask for your presence as we embark on this journey together. Help us to steward well the callings you have put before us, callings to be invested students and educators, caring community members, and faithful followers of Christ. Grant us wisdom as we confront new challenges and choices. Give us grace toward one another as we discover what it means to live in community. And grant us confidence to trust in your great love for each one of us. Thank you, Father, for the love and blessings you lavish upon us. May we be a source of, encourage, of encouragement to all those we come in contact with for the glory of your kingdom. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Would you remain standing as together we read the Apostles' Creed? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Thank you. As a Christian college, we are proud of the academic rigor that connects us to other institutions of higher education, but we confidently affirm that our commitment to God gives us a sense of mission and purpose beyond simply scholarly rank. Our scholarly achievements and pursuits are an active form of worship. Our pursuit of both faith and knowledge yield wisdom and understanding of truth. Students, your faculty processed into worship today to demonstrate that while we have achieved important degrees, we humbly and prayerfully offer up our talents and achievements to the Lord as an act of worship. May God bless the work of learning in all of our classrooms, sporting arenas, performance venues, and chapel services throughout the year, all for his glory. As we begin this academic year gathered together in chapel, we are dressed in the pageantry of academic regalia. As a Christian institution of higher education, we want to acknowledge our part in the rich history of academe while also giving witness to the God that we serve who has blessed us with the ability 
and the privilege to pursue a Christian college education. The colorful traditions surrounding academic regalia, the gowns and the caps and the hoods and the tassels and the cords, date back to the first European universities in the 12th and the 13th centuries. What began in the Middle Ages as clothing worn by clerics to provide warmth in the damp and unheated buildings progressed by the time of Henry VIII of England to detailed codes of dress prescribed by Oxford and Cambridge University. The assignment of colors to signify certain disciplines was standardized in the United States in the late 1800s. Today, the robes and the caps and the hoods are worn on important occasions, such as today and throughout the academic year. Our faculty are wearing robes that epitomize the democracy of scholarship. The wearing of our academic uniform covers our individual status and preferences to symbolize that we are all united and eligible to study, pursue research, and be assessed for what we know. The hoods are color-coded to indicate that academic degree which the wearer pursued, as well as the colors representing the university where the degree was conferred. You can see the many colors on the platform. White was taken from the white fur trimming of the Oxford and Cambridge bachelor hoods and was assigned to the arts and letters. Red, one of the traditional colors of the church, went to theology. Green, the color of med medieval herbs, was adopted for medicine. And golden yellow, standing for the wealth which scientific research has produced, was assigned to the sciences. There is also significance to the cut and tailoring of the gown. The gown for the bachelor's degree, which we wear at graduation as you um, proceed through commencement, has pointed sleeves, often cut off at the elbows. The gown is untrimmed and designed to be worn closed. The gown for the master's degree has an oblong sleeve, which hangs down in the traditional manner and is open at the wrist. The gown for the doctoral degree has a bell-shaped sleeve. It is designed to be worn open or closed. And the gown is faced down the front with velvet, along with three bars of velvet across the sleeves. The color of the velvet is distinctive of the disciplines to which the degree pertains, with the dark blue typical of the doctor of philosophy or the PhD. Although historically the gown has been black, in recent days universities have chosen official school colors for the gowns. And so you can see some commonality and some vibrant colors up here. You can stop us afterwards and ask us which university we went to. You can guess who's Carolina Blue. The hood originally had three uses, a head covering, a shoulder cape, and a bag in which money could be collected at graduation to help pay off your school bill. People would throw money into the pocket at the bottom of the hood. At commencement, we should bring back that tradition. That's what I'm hearing, right? <laughs> at commencement... <laughs> It would have to be a pretty big bag. At commencement, the hood gives color and meaning. The satin lining inside the hood is the official color of the institution conferring the degree, and the outside color is representing the academic discipline. So please enjoy the pageantry of today and the meaning of academic regalia, recognizing it as a symbol of achievement, but also gratitude to God. The reading is from the Holy Apostle Paul to the Philippians. Let us be attentive. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, good morning and welcome to academic year 2015-16. Welcome to all of our new freshmen transfer students and to all of the returning students. We are so glad that you are here. Before I actually get into what I want to talk to you about this morning, I um, want to just mention something that is probably on quite a few of your minds. If there is one thing that we can absolutely count on in life, it's change. It is inevitable. And on our last chapel service last spring, for the ones of you that are returning students and for many of you, your new students, when you visited and visited chapel last year, our beloved chaplain, Dr. Corey McPherson, was here. And during the summer, which makes it hard to say goodbyes, he and his family transitioned to a new place and a new college and a new ministry. And my guess is that some of you are feeling that loss this morning and missing Corey, and that is just okay. We all miss Corey. And I've been in contact with him this week, and I think he's missing us too, even though he's excited about this new journey. We celebrate when God calls someone and they obey, but it's a little sad when God calls someone that we're not ready to give up. And um, that is the case um, here. But um, just wanted to kind of mention that to you um, this morning as we begin. I also want you to know that a search committee, including representatives from all across campus, including two students, has been working throughout the summer to select the next VP for spiritual development and chaplain. In the next few weeks, we'll be bringing two to three candidates to campus to meet with various groups, and students will have an opportunity to interact with with these um, candidates as well. We are giving this process the same care and prayer that we did eight years ago when Corey was selected. Meanwhile, we have excellent leadership in the Spiritual Development Office with Associate Chaplain Jenny Williams, Assistant, yes. <laughs> Assistant Chaplain J.D. Brinke. And coordinator of Music Ministries, Jamie Brown. We are very fortunate to have a, such a wonderful and strong team in place as we go through this transition. 
Please continue to pray for us that the Lord's guidance and direction um, will be upon the search committee as we try to discern the Lord's will on that, and that also upon the individual that the Lord would like to fill this position. It is very significant to us just as it is to you, and so please be in prayer with us over these next couple of months as we try to finalize that decision. In an increasingly complex and polarized world, one of the goals of a Christian liberal arts education is to provide skills to critically evaluate and work together to solve very complex issues with no easy answers. And in today's world, we have no shortage of complex issues with no easy answers. New issues emerge almost every day, and your skills need to be such that you can step back and evaluate what has changed, what research you need, who the individuals are that might add needed information, and how you might need to apply that information in a different way than has ever been done before. It's not a simple scientific formula, although we know with all the scientists behind me here that formulas are not simple. Very important, though. But it's not a formula, and it is not totally an art. It is a combination of all of the skills that you can bring together, and certainly we need those formulas and the data, but we also need the art of learning how to combine those. Complex solutions demand all of the above skills, plus the ability to work together with a diverse group of individuals to incorporate the necessary pieces for a great solution. Working together is not always easy, but it is essential. And some of you, as you get your syllabi today and you are assigned to group projects, you're going to go, oh, no, not again. Can already hear it. Very important to learn those skills. As individuals, we probably never totally reach the goal of always being able to combine the essential skills in the exact manner and at the exact time to achieve the ultimate goal. But we should still be striving to constantly improve our skills and to move toward that goal. There are many choices we make each day that either assist in moving us toward achievement of those goals or hinder us along the way. You have made a very, very big and a fantastic choice to be a student at Eastern Nazarene College. Very good choice. You have made a smaller but very good choice to be in chapel this morning. Choice number two. And hopefully if you had a class this morning before chapel, you made the choice to be there. Choice number three, to be on time. Choice number four, to stay awake. Choice number five, and to pay attention to what the prof was saying instead of texting. Choice number six, all very good decisions. These are really small choices, and they may sound kind of silly and insignificant. But the choices that we make, the little choices each day, combine to decide whether it was a successful day or whether we left a few things out. Friends, attitudes, our openness openness to learning new information, both from classes and from those individuals around us, all have an impact on how we process information and on our outlook and attitude for the day. A diverse Christian liberal arts college in an urban setting gives you a multitude of opportunities to learn different perspectives, engage in different experiences, grow in your Christian faith, and view all perspectives 
through a Christian lens. What better place than right here at ENC to obtain the skills to work together to solve complex issues and be a world changer for the kingdom of God? Our scripture from Philippians 4 today says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So I would like for you to think with me for a few minutes today about how our outlook, the things we think about and the small choices we make each day, impact our way of life and even our ability to work together to solve complex issues. It was late afternoon on February 2nd, 2004, and I know many of you were in grade school at that that point. Uh, The college where I served in Europe at that point in time had a January term, and then after the January term, we had a large leadership conference where individuals from all over Eastern and Western Europe gathered together, and it was just a great time. And so we had come through all of that, and it was the first day of the spring semester. We had had an unusual amount of snow for that um, area that year, which didn't even come close to comparing to the winter we had here last year. But for us, there had been a lot of, of snow. And on this particular day, it was on Monday, the weather had warmed, the snow had melted, the sun was out, and I decided that I would leave work early and um, go and take a, a walk along the Rhine River. We lived in a very beautiful, quiet little village there, beautiful in every season, even in the winter. But being there in the river valley, there wasn't a lot of sun in the um, winter, and it got dark by 4.30. So I decided that I would leave the office early because I could always come back after dark and do work and take a walk. Now, I didn't really expect what I was going to encounter that afternoon. I had walked along the river many times there um, toward the little city of of Schaffhausen. It's just an incredible walk. And the Rhine River is very wide. Um, It's very swift, but it doesn't necessarily appear that way. And so it looked almost like a, a mirror that day. And as I walked along the Rhine that afternoon, the sun was beginning to set. And it was one of these days, and maybe you have seen one, and if you haven't, maybe you will watch in the evenings for one of these days where you have incredibly blue sky, white fluffy clouds, and dark clouds at the same time. You've seen some of those before. And on this particular day when the sun was beginning to shine or set, Um, In that setting, with the blue, with the white clouds, with the dark clouds, there was every shade of orange and pink and whatever that you could imagine reflected in the sky. And it was just incredible. I mean, you just kind of stand and you look at it. But the same sun and the same colors that were reflected in the white clouds were reflected in the dark clouds. And then I looked down to my left at the river 
And that same reflection was there in the river. You could see the clouds. You could see the colors. You could see all of that. Didn't have my iPhone then because those were before the days of iPhones. And so I don't have any pictures. I wish I had pictures so that you could even get an idea of how beautiful it was. But as I walked along, I was quite aware of the beauty of nature and God's creation. As I looked at those white clouds and dark clouds and the beautiful colors and the beautiful colors shining on the dark clouds, I was reminded that the dark clouds come into our lives. Sometimes at the same time that we have those beautiful white fluffy clouds and beautiful blue sky. And God doesn't take all of those out of our lives. But the sunshine of his love is always there surrounding um, while we are going through those experiences and seeing those dark clouds. The next morning, I was really excited to get to the office, and across the hall from me was Anthony Holloman, our academic dean, and we had conversations all the time, and I was really excited to tell him about what I had seen the day before on my walk, because he's quite the outdoorsman, and, you know, I mean, he even does the mountain hiking and the, the Alps and those sort of things, so I was pretty impressed with myself and what I had seen, and I began telling him my story like I had just told you. And he got this little smile on his face, and I knew him well enough to know when that smile comes, there's something else coming, and his mind is working. And he listened very carefully until I finished. And when I got finished, he said, oh, but you missed it. And I'm like, I what? I just told you about the most incredible experience I had yesterday, and you're telling me I missed it? He goes, yeah. He said... You know, it was the first day of class yesterday, and um, I took my leadership class on a walk. We're going to do that the, the first Monday of every month and watch as winter turns to spring here in the River Valley. But instead of walking down along the river like you did, we walked along the high road up above. And we saw everything that you saw reflected in the river, plus we saw those same reflections in the Alps, and you could see all the way east from Austria all across Switzerland and south. And he said, so if you had only been on the high road instead of the low road, you could have seen this too. And I thought about that. Um, I knew exactly what he was talking about because I had had those days when I had glimpsed the Alps. Uh, we weren't that close, but on certain days, uh, when a warm wind that the Germans call a foon, except they say it differently than I just said it, uh, when that warm wind blows, there's something that happens in the atmosphere, and it's like it just opens it up, and there are the Alps in all of their magnificent glory. And there would be days when one of us would leave campus, and we would go either for a walk or, or to the grocery store or whatever, and we would realize that this was a day when you could see the mountains, and we would come back excitedly and say, the mountains are out, the mountains are out. And we knew exactly what we were talking about. What we meant was stop and take a walk up behind the campus and, and glance east and south or take a drive. But we had visitors often, and the visitors would kind of look at us and say, you know, the mountains are there every day. And that was true. The mountains were there every single day. The Alps don't change, you know. They're quite large and quite stable, and they're in the exact same place every day. 
Whether we could see them from our little village or not, they were there. But on those days when we could see them, the magnificence reminded us not only of their beauty and the fact that they are there, but it also reminded us of our creator who is always there, whether we can see him or feel his presence at the moment or not. It also reminded me that day in 2004 that sometimes we are content with beauty on the low road when the Lord has so much more available for us on the high road. Our resources are finite, but the Lord's resources are infinite. What I saw along the Rhine that day was a gift from God through his beautiful creation and my choice to take a walk. A very simple choice to take a walk when I could have just as easily continued to work and then go home and watch TV after dark. Often, very small choices make a difference in our everyday life. However, even the greater understanding for me came that day through my sharing my experience the next morning with my friend. I was explaining to him what was happening, and he brought a whole new meaning to the experience that I had had. This was just one of many things that I learned from Anthony Holloman, and am still learning today. He was Dutch, still is. I'm American, and we were living in a Swiss-German village with about 18 to 20 nationalities represented in our small college community there. To say that we all brought different perspectives to situations would be a very drastic understatement. We had different understandings about whether the windows in the classroom should be open in January to let in fresh air, as the northern Europeans do, or they should be shut tight and the heat turned high, as the eastern Europeans do, because they're used to central heating. Sound a little bit like Monroe in some of our dorms? It led to some very interesting interactions and conversations as we learned from each other. And yes, there were times when one individual opened the windows and another got up and closed the windows. And this situation was repeated several times with no words passing between them. You know of situations where you've done those sorts of things, so don't act too pious out there. But it wasn't always easy But in the times when I invested the time and energy to listen and learn, I always came out with a broader view and deeper and better understanding, not only of my colleagues and fellow students, but especially of myself. College is an exceptional opportunity for you to learn not only from your professors, but from each other. But that doesn't mean it will be easy. There's an old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We live in a very dynamic time period where there's rapid change and instant communication. It's often easier to post on Facebook or Twitter than to have a conversation. And quite often, the posts, at least on my Facebook um, feed, are negative and sometimes demeaning to another individual. Our political system is very polarized, as are some of our cities and communities where individuals are very quickly labeled as belonging to one group or another. So I spend time thinking about living in a global age where communication can be instantaneous and life is rapidly changing. How do we figure out how to go together 
so that we can go far rather than taking the easy route and going fast and alone. That's an option, always an option. Not a very good one, but an option. There's no scientific formula and no silver bullet. If there was, I think someone would have already figured it out and we would have world peace. But I believe it begins with the choices each of us make each day. Little choices that help change our perspective and begin to become part of a way of life for each of us. So I mentioned Facebook earlier in a somewhat negative way. I am an observer on Facebook. Now, I know you have different names for observers, but I prefer to call myself an observer. I don't post very often, but I observe. Some of my friends go on very negative rants, and I hide them for a while because I don't even want to see it. I know how to use the hide button um, so I unfollow rather than unfriend. I have a lot of people on my feed that are unfollowed. I love seeing pics of my friends and their grandkids and the fun adventures that they're having. It is a fantastic way for me to keep up with their lives without even interacting. Now, did you hear what I just said? Isn't that a strange sentence? I keep up with their lives without ever actually interacting with them. But if I see a post about a great accomplishment, I can send a congratulatory message. Or if I see a post about an illness, a death in the family, or some type of difficulty they are having, I can send a private personal message letting them know that I'm praying for them and thinking about them at this difficult time. That is a great form of communication. It does provide very valuable information to me. Even though I rarely post anything, it still is a valuable form of communication. About three weeks ago, I began noticing a series of posts by ENC alum of 2014, Raymond Chung. Anybody else been following Raymond over the past three weeks? Raymond works for PricewaterhouseCoopers, a large national accounting firm in, in Boston. He has received national awards as an Eagle Scout, and he was a very involved student during his time at ENC, including managing the bookstore. On August 5th, with 15,000 other scouts, he began participating in um, a program called Dare to Do. And here's a simple description. It says, it's simple. Each day, do an act of service, no matter how small, for the other people around you. Post it on social media using the hashtag Dare to Do, and we'll make America better. Each day, together. Simple. Not particularly profound. The challenge is to do an act of kindness each day for 100 days and post it. Now, I, I don't know for sure, but my guess is that they are hoping that after you do that for 100 days, it will be such a habit that you will just keep doing it, that it will be ingrained that that's what we all should be doing all day long, every day. It's much like the pay it forward principle or random acts of kindness. I saw the first post a couple of days in and didn't realize at first that it was an organized program. I just thought Raymond had come up with a new idea. But after seeing two to three posts about letting someone who was in a rush go in front of him at the dry cleaners or letting a car in the mall have the parking space instead of trying to make sure that you get there first or stopping to let someone cross the street 
Um, it began to have an impact on me that I wasn't quite expecting. So I'm coming out of my little street and I'm coming to work one morning, stopped to wait for the traffic. There's a lady there with a dog that obviously had come from um, the direction just a block away of a major intersection that has crosswalks, you know, for a reason. That's where you cross. It even has buttons that you punch so that all the traffic stops. But no, here a block down the road, no crosswalks, traffic, here she is, and she wants to cross. And I'm just like, come on, don't you know? And this car stops right in the middle of the road. And then the car coming from the other direction stops in the middle of the road. And I'm getting more and more frustrated because that's not the system. And then guess what? You know, it, it took very little time, and I'm on my way. And then the laughing and the self-talk in the car starts taking place. And I start saying to myself, you know, Raymond would have been the one to stop the car and smile and wave. You get my drift on that? Just the fact that I had been seeing his post of these random things that he was doing every day made me think different about how I reacted to people in traffic. And what I began noticing even in myself, which is not profound at all, is that there was something happening inside of me that was positive when I slowed for 20 to 30 seconds. I mean, that whole incident probably didn't take more than 30 seconds. I mean, that did not ruin my day to wait for 30 seconds. But what I started noticing is that when I would pause and have a positive reaction for somebody, it had a positive reaction in me instead of that negative frustrated. Now that may sound a little bit silly, but it does make a difference. Some of Raymond's posts are very simple like that. Some are more in, involved. But I've noticed that I'm not the only one. Some of his friends will then begin to post on there what they've done that day. Holding the door for somebody, um, you know, playing basketball with a kid um, that's all alone. Just different sorts of things that make a difference. Small acts are a choice, and if we want to make a big difference for Christ and in the kingdom, it begins with the little choices we make every day, whether anyone notices or not, or whether or not they say thank you. That's not why we do it. You never know what someone is dealing with and how much of an encouragement just one simple random act of kindness may mean to them. I think this is part of what Paul is saying to us here in this passage in Philippians. That the things we think about the most are going to influence our daily actions and reactions. Once again, the scripture says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I've been familiar with that scripture for a very long time, and if you looked at my favorite Bible that is falling apart, it would be marked, and it would have some dates, and I have it written on cards in various places, and it has been very influential to me, um, meaning different things at different times, but one of the things that Raymond's Post did was give me a very real practical example and another insight 
on a different day. I love the academic calendar and the fact that a semester begins, it ends, you have a break, and then you begin again. It's like having a project that you can complete, take a break, and then begin a new project. Always an opportunity for new beginnings. Today is another opportunity for beginning a new semester, or for many of you, the very beginning of not just a new semester, but your college journey. You have probably heard it said, again, not a new statement, but one to think about today on this first day of the semester. It is much easier to end well if you begin well. You will be reminded of that over and over again. Last semester may not have gone as well as some of you would have liked, and there probably are some consequences that may be following you into this semester. However, today is the beginning of a new semester with a new set of classes. For some of you, this is the first day for you at ENC and a new journey with a new setting, new friends, new experiences. For others of you, this is the first day of your senior year at Eastern Nazarene College. Yes. <laughs> and that goal that you have been working toward. And then there will be different new beginnings on that. You have the opportunity to determine today how you will spend your time this semester and what you will make of the opportunities before you. My prayer and my hope for you today, whether you're a student, a faculty member, staff member, or administrator, is that you will know that everything doesn't have to be accomplished with your own resources that you will realize that there are folks all around you here who are willing to listen, to advise, to help when you are in need. That as the scripture says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I pray that you will decide today, if you haven't already decided, that you want to go far rather than fast. And that you will be excited to learn what it means to go together. That you will share your story with fellow students, faculty, and staff. And that you will ask them to share their story so that we can learn from each other. Our stories are part of the way that we begin to understand each other. And every time I hear one of your stories, I am enriched and I learn something. That is a very valuable part of your education journey. I pray that you will choose to think on these things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Think on these things. I pray that you will join me in asking the Lord each morning to help you remember to do at least one random act of kindness a day, even if it's just holding the door open for someone and smiling at them as they walk through. And I pray that you will choose the high road that God has for each of us and that you will realize that the Lord often reveals the high road to us through times of sharing both our excitement and our struggles with a friend 
as I did with my friend Anthony. It is a great privilege for me and for each of you to be a part. And sometimes things happen that we don't plan, and it's okay. <laughs> it is just okay. It is a great privilege for me and each of you to be part of a community where we can share our faith, pray with one another, share our struggles, vigorously debate in a civil way ideas upon which we disagree. This is what our world needs, and we have a great opportunity and privilege to work together in preparation for being world changers for the kingdom of God. Please join me in singing the hymn of consecration now as Dr. Shetler comes to lead us. Let's conclude our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, as the new academic year begins, we desire for you to lead and guide us each day and every moment. You have brought us to this time and place to teach us something we need now and deep into our future. Let us see these opportunities, whether in a classroom, a residence hall, on a stage, in the midst of competition, or in the community as a chance to worship you. In so doing, may we bring you honor and glory. Each of us have areas we are passionate about, and you use those areas of passion to speak to us. Open our ears, eyes, and minds to receive your messages. We ask you to bless this college, each student, and each employee throughout the entire year. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. You are dismissed.